0: hey everyone welcome to the sword and laser i'm bronica belmont
1: and i'm tom Merritt.
0: sword and laser is a book club but it's so much more we bring you author interviews news from the world of sci-fi and fantasy and of course awesome discussions from fans just like you
1: in fact our entire show is funded by you Especially if you're a patron at patreon.com slash sword and laser. Thanks to you. All the folks who back our show, make it possible. If you would like to back the show, uh, there are some lovely rewards, like a monthly silliness show at the $20 a month, a $20 episode level. Uh, go to patreon.com slash sword and laser. And if you're like, you know, I can't really commit because I'm not the kind of person who commits to things but i would like to still help you go to swordandlaser.com/store and you can like buy the sword and laser anthology or a lovely mug or something like that it makes a perfect christmas gift so hep 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 head on over <laughs> to swordandlaser.com/store that's slash store
0: you are a natural salesman tom merritt
1: i don't know what that hep, hep 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 came
0: from <laughs> if only I said we were recording the podcast and then
1: that's i was like i'll just go with it
0: Hep, 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 as they all say. Um, In the circus. In the circus, at least. Speaking of circuses, uh, tonight we are going to be kicking off our December book pick, The Night Circus, by Emily Morgenstern. So we'll get to more of that later in the show. But first, it is time for one of our favorite segments, What Are We Drinking?
1: I am drinking a Red Trolley Ale, uh, brewed and bottled by the Carl Strauss Brewing Company. In San Diego, California. Now, I'm I'm a big fan of browns and stouts and dark beers, but I always forget about reds. Mm. Uh, so I saw this on the shelf this afternoon when I was shopping, and I was like, "Oh, I'll give it a shot." It's very good. It's a it's kind of spicy, even as beers go.
0: Ooh, spicy! It's not,
1: it's not like got chili peppers in it or anything, but you know, it's it's
0: cool. Nice. I'm drinking um, this beautiful hard cider. Um, it is called Red Branch uh, Cider Company, Hard Apple and Honey Cider. It's pretty good. I like ciders. Um It's a little mild for me. I think I just expect it to be a little stronger tasting. Um, mm. but it's it's good, you know, it'd be it'd be good for like a during dinner kind of drink, I think, as opposed to a hanging out in the pub kind of drink.
1: Ciders are a nice fall drink.
0: They really are, and I bought yeah. some um, mulling spices this week as well, so I'm going to be making some mulled regular cider and then perhaps some mulled wine as well. Oh,
1: remember when I made the mulled wine at your house on the yeah. that one time? That was good.
0: That was really good. Can it you use the same out. spices in mulled wine as you can in mulled cider?
1: I can don't know. If, I would. Spices? I would think so. I don't know why you couldn't. I don't know if that's appropriate, if there's some like, oh, it's better if you don't, but...
0: It's booze, you I'll can. give it a shot. I'm sure it'll be it's not fine. not going
1: to hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and you know what else? Uh, before we move off the What Are We Drinking segment, Casey uh, started a thread on the Goodreads forum who said, I, for one, always enjoy learning what Veronica and Tom are drinking. Often I will listen to the show at home and enjoy a dram myself. But what about you, uh, Casey wrote to the audience. What are you drinking when listening to Sword and Laser, and then started it off by saying for episode 196, I enjoyed a dram of Laphroaig, 10-year-old cask strength with a drop of water. That's apparently the perfect way to enjoy a single malt scotch. Uh, it was like drinking fire, ocean, and peat smoke.
0: Ooh, mm, that Laphroaig. sounds wonderful. That's good
1: stuff. Good choice.
0: We've got some old fashions um, from uh, which is kind of cool. I love a good old-fashioned. Tomahome is just doing some minimal water.
1: It's Min- mineral, hobby. not minimal.
0: I said mineral.
1: <laughs> that sounded like you said minimal. Just minimal. Just minimal. She's drinking small some animal. minimal
0: water. She's very, she's a minimalist.
1: Uh, but yeah, it she's goes to minimalist. show, like I just called
0: Tomahome a girl. Darn it, that's such a Tom move.
1: <laughs> it's such. Uh, it just goes to show you don't have to be drinking something alcoholic. Uh, it's open to all, all, all kinds of drinkings. It takes off. For instance, time. Olivia tap water and Mountain Dew together mixed.
0: You gotta lighten it up a little bit. I think. Yeah. I think that Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew can be a little intense. You just John you know. has done
1: Mountain Dew with orange juice.
0: That's weird. You guys are getting mm. weird now.
1: And then Andrew P has done Mountain Dew in absinthe.
0: That's gross. That, <laughs> <thing>. that sounds <laughs> <That's> gross. Way... <laughs> that sounds terrible. And I'm ashamed of you for doing that. A little oh, bit ashamed. Man. A little <laughs> shame. But hey, uh, we are also live right now in Google Hangouts, which we try to do every time we record an episode of the podcast. So if you are watching live and want to chip in and tell us what you've been drinking during this episode, please use the Q&A app, or maybe I'll head over to the YouTube page and check out the comments as well. But we want to know what you guys are drinking too. What do you drink when you read your favorite book or when you watch your favorite sci-fi fantasy show? Let us know in the comments.
1: Raise a glass.
0: Raise a glass to genre fiction. Uh, but let's jump into the quick burns. So we have the Goodroy- Goodroids. Oh my God, what is happening?
1: <laughs> There's nothing good about that.
0: That is not. Do not do drugs, kids. Um, Tomahome again, uh, posts about the Goodreads Choice Awards. He posted. And uh, there are some pretty good ones out there. Oh, I'm sorry. These are the, uh, the Audible picks. Do we have two different ones? Oh no, I clicked on the wrong link because I'm a dummy. Because I'm a big stupid yeah. They're both dummy. in there.
1: Goodreads right. are first though. All
0: right. Goodreads Choice Awards. Did you vote this year, Tom? I didn't. That's too bad.
1: I couldn't choose.
0: So in the uh, genre fiction space, we have for fantasy, *The Book of Life* by Deborah Harkness, uh, which with fifty-one thousand votes, I have not even heard of this book.
1: I've heard of it. Deborah Harkness writes like urban fantasy, right? Am I right about oh, okay.
0: that? Okay. All right. I see. And then for science fiction, happily, *The Martian* by Andy Weir won with uh, almost thirty-one thousand votes. So that was one of the ones I voted for, I believe. A lot of great authors in the sci-fi space for Dude, the Dude, Deborah
1: Harkness is a wine enthusiast, historian, and the author of the All Souls trilogy.
0: We should have her on the show. Yeah, that'd be cool. They,
1: well, no wonder *The Book of Life* uh, got the votes.
0: Mm-hmm. Sounds
1: like it. Sounds like that's really interesting. Um, yeah, and of course, I would vote for *The Martian* if I. If I'd remember. Well,
0: you say that, but there were a lot of really good picks in the. There were. I mean, Ancillary Justice, you throw that Mm -hmm. in
1: front of me, I'm going to go, well, of course I would vote for Ancillary Justice. So
0: it it was definitely a hard pick uh, by all all accounts. Um, And then Audible had their best of 2014. This is posted uh, by Sky. Sorry, Tom, you take this one.
1: Sure. Uh, Best of 2014 from Audible, and the uh, they have their own selections and their listener selections. So the top choice for series conclusions was The Book of Life by Deborah Harkness, but the top choice for fantasy was Brandon Sanderson, Words of Radiance. And then the top choice for sci-fi, audiobook, The Girl with All the Gifts, read, narrated by Finty Williams uh, and written by M.R. Carey. Just edged out lock-in by John Scalzi. Mm, now, uh. lock-in split the vote, though, because remember, lock-in is narrated by Amber Benson or Will Wheaton.
0: That's cool. Scalzi, hey, hey, Scalzi, Scalzi, let us narrate an audiobook.
1: <laughs> I hey. mean, if, if, if you, you know, you already did Will and Amber.
0: Hey, Twitter, saying. Twitter, tell Scalzi. Tell Scalzi to let us narrate an audiobook. They work really cheap, I promise. Yeah, for literally free. I will do it for free.
1: <laughs> and then, of course, the, uh, <laughs> like, free. Uh, listeners. The listeners' favorites uh, winner overall was Words of Radiance by Brandon Sanderson. Um, and then uh, I think, I'm looking to see, oh, Diana Gabaldon, uh, also huh. up there, written in my own heart's blood, Outlander Book 8. Uh, Skin Game, Novel of the Dresden Files, up there as well, yeah.
0: A lot of good stuff. I am listening to uh, Mindy Collins' uh, book um, about. It's like a, it's funny. It's cute.
1: I'm listening to the Bone Clock. Actually, I'm listening to the Night Circus right now. I interrupted listening to the Bone Clocks.
0: We're digressing. By David um, Mitchell. Dara has a post, uh, Sci-Fi has cast the leads for the Magician series. Uh, We've talked about this casting process quite a bit. And in fact, the last time we discussed it, we were kind of like, well, okay, well, these are like side characters. Kind of wish they would talk about the leads. Well, guess what? We have that information now, including uh, the actor who's going to be playing Quentin and um, also who will be playing Alice, his eventual love interest. Um, So we have, uh, let's see, let's see. Let's see. Uh, Jason Ralph is going to be playing Quentin Coldwater, and Sosie Bacon, that's Kevin Bacon's daughter, is going to be playing Alice. So I don't know anything about either of these two actors.
1: Because you're not a teenager.
0: Is that it? Is that why? I think
1: that's why. Uh, this Jason Ralph uh, person, actor, uh, is best known for Brightest Star.
0: Nope, never heard yep. of that. Don't know uh, what that
1: Or is. a most violent year. I don't think that's a teen movie. I'm obsessed with you, but you've got to leave me alone. Is that one of those so movies? That sounds awful. <laughs> uh, had a had a regular role on the TV series Aquarius, uh, which is filming. And, All right. Yeah. Also, you know, some bit parts here and there. And then Sosie Bacon is best known for the movie Lover Boy in 2005, uh, and some parts on The Closer, the TV series.
0: Not too thrilled that uh, AV Club made a poor Footloose reference uh, in the first paragraph of this article. They say Bacon, the daughter of Kevin Bacon and the Closer star Kira Sedgwick, will play Alice, a shy young woman who eventually learns to cut Footloose with her formidable magical powers after enrolling at Breakbills College for Magical Pedagogy.
1: Oh, first Twitter post went out to Scalzi. I hope he doesn't start hating us. Ah! <laughs>
0: Yes, people are watching live, and in fact, uh, we have some updates on the What Are We Drinking section. Should we do that now or wait until the end of the show?
1: Uh, Let's wait until the end of the quick birds, then we can check in. All right, Uh, we'll check
0: in with the What Are We Drinking.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Very good, though. Good good job, people. Uh, Nick pointed out the successful test flight of the unmanned Orion space capsule that happened this week, uh, while Tamahome quotes this awesome post from Peter F. Hamilton on Facebook, quote, future heading right at me writing Night Without Stars on one computer screen while the other computer screen is showing the NASA TV live stream of the Orion test flight launch.
0: Why do you keep saying it the way you accidentally spelled it earlier in the rundown?
1: Orion? (laughs) Yes. uh, I imagine that happens in your house a lot when you're just sitting there and you're like,
0: Orion? Orion.
1: No, the Orion test flight uh, is for the manned space capsule that will eventually carry humans. It was unmanned in the test flight. And the the plan is to have humans visit an asteroid as well as Mars somewhere down the road.
0: That is fantastic. So I lo- really I just love this thing that. with
1: Peter F. Hamilton sitting there like writing amazing science fiction and then watching amazing science at the same time.
0: Yeah, he's, he's a badass. I, I do love me some Peter F. Hamilton. Um, also in the very cool cat not really casting news, but you know, the uh the news of books being turned into awesome movies and shows. Um apparently Christopher Nolan has been offered Ready Player One to direct. Um This is from denofgeek.us, and uh that is really exciting and I think a really a really great thing for the project because he is amazing.
1: I don't want to get too excited about this because I read somewhere else that somebody's like, well, sure, Nolan's been offered. So is Peter Jackson and Zack Snyder. And like they were trying to downplay the idea of him, of of a rumor of him being offered. They're like, it doesn't sound like this is, hey, Christopher Nolan, we want to hire you. It sounds like this is, hey, Chris, we're putting together our short list. Would you be interested?
0: You're interested in that? Yeah. So something you might want to do.
1: So I'm, I'm kind of holding back to be like, okay, I don't think it's, he's about to take the job. But that well, would be cool.
0: I like to stay excited about this kind of stuff. So I'm just going right. to keep my hopes up.
1: I'll stop that being a wet blanket. A good,
0: that's always a good path to take.
1: Yeah, get your hopes way sky high. Way
0: up. Like really unreasonably
1: high. Unreasonably <laughs> high. I believe Christopher Nolan will make Ready Player One and it will win Best Movie at the Oscars.
0: I think you should put money on that.
1: I will put a thousand (laughs) rupees.
0: Rupees? I knew you were going to say rupees. I know it. I know it. Rupees.
1: (laughs) Uh, Fiona posted that the BBC has adapted Good Omens as a six-part audio play, and the first part will air on Radio 4, Monday, 22nd, December. Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman are scheduled to have cameo appearances. Now, this is awesome if you're in the UK, Radio 4, right? Done. But... What you should know, international listeners, is that if you're not in the U.K., you can still listen to BBC Radio, and I believe you can listen to Radio 4 without having to be in the U.K. It's not like the TV where you have to prove you're in the country. Anybody can listen to it.
0: I'm excited for this. I, I, I'm not sure how I will listen to this, because it, it's if I remember correctly, it's very difficult to listen to BBC content here in the States with, like, I don't know, how do we do Ooh. that? Were you not listening? No, I wasn't listening. I was just telling you. Anyone
1: in the world could listen to BBC radio content. You could do it on the web, or you can even get the BBC iPlayer app, and it'll say, you can't watch any TV shows because you're international, but it'll let you stream the audio.
0: You know what happened? You know what happened just now, Tom? What happened? Benedict Cumberbatch happened. I clicked on the link and there was a picture of Benedict Cumberbatch and I got confused because I didn't remember him being tied to that project and then I realized that picture is from another audio play that they are also doing called uh, Cabin Pressure. Ah, so I was then trying I, to figure out what was going on and I stopped listening to you.
1: I have sort of uh, intellectual appreciation of what must have happened to you when you saw a picture of Benedict Cumberbatch. You have a what? An intellectual appreciation.
0: Oh. You should just be happy that I'm able to continue talking at all after seeing Better Cumberbatch.
1: Close the tab, Belmont.
0: I'm closing the tab.
1: You can't resist the Cumberbatch.
0: <laughs> and we have a final posting in the Quick Burns today, also from, from Mr. Tamahome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Senor
0: Señor Tamahome. Señor Uh What James Cameron says you'll do when you see the Avatar sequels, not safe for work, uh, no. This is a, well. If you open up the boing boing post, the title is James Cameron on Avatar sequels. You will poop your pants. You will poop yourself with your mouth wide open. He doesn't use the word poop though. He uses the you word will, you will, that means you will poop. Ship. You will ship your pants yourself. <laughs> he doesn't even say pants. I don't know why I keep talking about pants.
1: There are no pants involved here. <laughs> You're no still pants. thinking about Cumberbatch.
0: Oh, I want to put my cumber breeches on,
1: <laughs> yeah, he says, uh I can tell you one thing about them, meaning the avatar sequels. they're gonna be bitching
0: What is wrong with James Cameron that he talks I don't this way? know.
1: you Does will he, think
0: sh- that he is a young person
1: yourself with your mouth wide open with your mouth wide open.
0: <laughs> I don't even do that on a terrible day <laughs> like that is not even in my worst state. I do not have my mouth open.
1: Uh, This is coming to EmpireOnline.com, the movie magazine Empire. Got him to say that somehow. Good job, Empire.
0: You're liable to get leptospirosis with that kind of behavior. (laughs) (laughs) Some kind of worm.
1: Yeah, and then you can sue James Cameron. Yeah.
0: That's a good good idea because he's really rich.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) He'll pay you just to make it go away. He'll pay because he thinks it's funny.
0: All right, I'm going to check in with the What Are We Drinking crowd. Uh, Jules right, yes. uh, says he's drinking an old-fashioned. Uh, Steven is drinking tea, so I shall raise my cup in your collective honor. Yay! James is drinking Jambuie, age 15, while reading, which is very nice. That's another Lovely. thing I like to do. And uh, Tomahome asks, is this thing on? Yes. Yes, yes it ma'am. Is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to kill us. He's gonna find sorry. us and he's gonna I'm kill so us, sorry, like, Mr. Tomahoe.
1: does not yeah. does not that that's an insult, but he he Tamahome deserves to be identified for who he is.
0: I'm gonna say the like long suffering else. Mr. Tomahoe from now yes. on. All right. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, calendar. Are we talking about calendar now? Oh no, no we are talking about time. picks. Do you see,
1: have the doc.
0: The I'm looking. Or did at you try to memorize it? Tom.
1: Thanks. <laughs> We've been highlighting picks from supporters uh, at our Kickstarter, and this is the last one. Uh, These aren't official book club picks, as we've mentioned. They're just a way to expose folks to a few more options for things to read. Uh, Thanks to everyone who has supported us on the Kickstarter, the folks who backed us at this level for the picks, and thanks to everybody who supports us in any way, whether it's the Kickstarter, Patreon, or anything else. You all rock. Uh, What what are we picking? What's the pick, Veronica?
0: The pick is, I clicked away from the doc, but I'm pretty sure... That it is <laughs> The City and the City by China Mieville, which we discussed briefly, briefly on the last episode. Um, one of my favorite books by China Mieville. So we have a thread up on that over in the forums, um, and you guys, I think, are, are kind of into it. Uh, Joseph yeah. said, I read it several years ago and loved it. For one thing, it was so radically different than Mievel's Boss Log books, which I also loved. Also, it totally bent my brain in new and interesting ways. I'm a little fuzzy on the details at this point, but that's never stopped me from chiming in before. And then Kenneth goes on to say, I loved this book. It's a detective story, a noir, and science fiction. It's a commentary on class divides, geopolitics, conscientiousness in public, the future, and the past. It has many things at once. Often the detractors disliked it because they either wanted a more straightforward fantasy book like previous Maybell entries, or because on a plot level, the ending was not to their liking. To those people, I debate you. There is much more besides the plot.
1: I love this description by Lindsay, too. Uh, The story is set in a fictional pair of European city-states, Basel and Ulkoma, that coexist in the same geographical location. Mm -hmm. The two states have different cultures, languages, and economies and exist by the concept of unseeing the other, and a third party called Breach that polices the difference. On top of all that weirdness, the plot is a police procedural that interacts with the underlying concept. And I guess this is typical china stuff. The initial concept kind of does your head in, she says, uh, but it's remarkably mark, self-consistent, and his writing really brings it to life.
0: In um, uh, Scalzi updates, uh, he has tweeted back to some of our listeners saying, know. what, are their twittering fingers broken? They know uh, where I am. I'm I'm not sure what that means exactly, but it sounds positive. Um, but anyway, thank you to everyone who donated to the Kickstarter and submitted their picks at that level. Um, I hope some of you found new stuff to read and stuff that you really enjoyed. Um, I know I've added a lot to my to-read list because of it, so you guys are awesome. And thank you so much for doing that.
1: You can find more upcoming releases at swordandlaser.com slash calendar. And by the way, when you click on one of those links on swordandlaser.com slash calendar or past calendar, uh, that benefits the show. We get a little referral for that.
0: All right. Well, now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. And we have a post from Louie, who uh, writes about terms authors are tired of hearing, which include Infodump, Mary Sue, Hard SF, Dystopian, and goes on to ask, what are some terms that you are tired of hearing or reading? Now, I'm kind of sad because I don't know what's the problem with Hard SF. Why do they hate that?
1: Um, I think it's sometime, it's the usage of it, probably, not the term itself. Mm-hmm. Like, it's often used to imply that you are not writing something that is as serious or valuable, uh, you know, like, oh, so is it hard SF? Uh, to which, apparently, yeah. Madeline Ashby replied, the next time someone asks me if I write hard SF, I'll say I keep a box of little blue pills on my desk just so I can keep it hard enough for them. Oh. <laughs> so I th- that implies uh, that Madeline Ashby, the author of the Machine Dynasty trilogy, feels like when people bring it up, they're, only, they're not bringing it up because they want to distinguish like, oh, well, there's awesome space opera and then there's awesome hard SF, that they bring it up as sort of like, oh, but is it hard SF, which I've noticed. I've definitely noticed that before.
0: Yeah, and then um, we have a quote from Kim Kim Stanley Robinson um, that he hates infodump for a couple of reasons. He says, It stupidly tries to define expository writing as something necessary but mechanical and ugly, which is terribly inaccurate, as expository writing is often necessary, crucial, beautiful, and hard to categorize or even see. And also the term comes out of a workshop aesthetic that tries to reduce fiction to mechanical parts Mm. and to denigrate fiction itself as part of a fearful attempt to assert mastery of it, most often used by people who don't really like fiction, even if they pretend they're trying to write it.
1: Wow. Uh, Sean in the thread writes, Sorry, authors, but infodumps, Mary Sue's, and idiot plots are plain old bad writing, and that won't change, even if we stop using those terms.
0: Ouch! (laughs)
1: <laughs> Brutal. Um, well, it's a fair point, which is, it's one thing to say, like, I'm really tired of this phrase being overused or misapplied, but if your defense is, I don't like this term because it applies to me, <laughs> like, just getting rid of the term isn't going to change that.
0: That is that is probably true.
1: I don't know if I have too many of these. Uh, Mary Sue confused me for the longest time. It took me forever to wrap my head around what that actually meant, and I'm still not mm-hmm. sure I 100% get it right. But I, I I actually like the term space opera. I think that's a cool way of of describing a kind of story that's not fantasy, but it's also not science fiction all the time.
0: Yeah. But it's still um, valid.
1: I and I don't use it pejoratively. I'm like, oh a space opera. That just means it's a really great sprawling story that's set in space, it can be scientifically... I, I think a space opera can be hard sci-fi at the same time. I don't think they're mutually exclusive, I guess.
0: And I don't... I, I, it doesn't really bother me with something... Well, I, I don't know why hard sci-fi really bothers the authors, but I guess I need to go back and, and really read what their issues with that particular...
1: Okay, Veronica, um, let, me, let me put it, this, tweet it to you this way. You're, you've got two books now. Pretend that you've got two books out there and they're both science fiction, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You got that? You got that in your head? Mm-hmm. And now you have a parade of people who you're meeting at at book meetups and author signings, and they ask you like, oh, are they hard sci fi? <laughs> over and over again. With a with that kind of oh. Are they hard sci fi?
0: Yeah. Oh,
1: are they hard sci fi? But is it hard sci fi?
0: But is it hard sci-fi?
1: That, are you getting it now?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I see that. I think
1: that's what, that's my guess anyway.
0: So why not go over something a little more hard sci-fi?
1: Uh-huh, now nah, you got it. All
0: right,
1: I see. Yeah. Remember when we, um, what was, the, I always forget the name of the Charlie, or It uh, feels
0: almost like it wants to be hard sci-fi. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow, that hurt. That like cut me.
0: I feel got like that's it. a question I would ask without meaning to sound like an asshole. Uh huh. You know, I would just. What was ask the book we read like,
1: that we we were like having the huge debate over hard whether it was hard sci-fi or not it had yeah blind sight.
0: That book Perfect has come example. back into the podcast like three times this month for some reason.
1: Because people use it used it as a as a weapon. They used mm-hmm. the term hard sci-fi as a weapon.
0: You're right. You're right. That was a huge controversy during that book pick. Yeah. And now I understand better why.
1: Marion posted the thread about the strangest or most unique sci-fi and fantasy novel that you have ever read. I love these kinds of threads because they end up exposing people to a bunch of different books that they would have never seen. Uh, Marion's choices were Winter's Tale by Mark Helprin, Bad movie, but a great and unique novel. I know it's considered as literary fiction, but it is a fantasy novel. A thief riding through early 20th century New York City on a white horse. Those are fantasy tropes indeed. And then... Ilandia, or Ilandia, I-S-L-A-N-D-I-A, by Austin Tappan Wright. While the Lord of the Rings and the Chronicles of Narnia are considered the standard bearers of the fantasy genre, Ilandia has been the crazy uncle of the genre that people find interesting but never brought out to the public.
0: Hmm. What do you, do you have any picks for that?
1: You know, Sean uh, named one of the ones that I would have picked, which is the Illuminatus Trilogy by Robert Anton Wilson and Robert Shea. It's It's a cult classic, for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I'm not sure if I'm inspired based on our earlier conversation or if this is coming to me fresh, but uh, Perdido Street Station by Ch- uh, China Meadville really mm-hmm. messed with my mind um, and, and was, affected me a lot. So that that definitely was was unique to me.
1: Kfone, uh mentioned A Voyage to Arcturus by David Lindsay, a fantasy planetary travel from the 1920s which is a combination metaphysical trip and peyote trip, it feels completely disconnected from the post-Tolkien-era fantasy. Hmm. That sounds intriguing. I would like to read that.
0: Well, you know, we're, we're going to have another sword pick in, what, in March?
1: Also, in, everything you know, Stan- Stanislav Lem.
0: All the Lem. <laughs> all the Lem and all the land.
1: <laughs> all right, shall we kick off our Book of the Month discussion?
0: Yes, we should. Our kickoff for this month is uh, for The Night Circus by Emily Morgenstern. And
1: Aaron.
0: Why did I say Emily? Did I say Emily the first time too? I feel like no, I No, I
1: don't think you did.
0: All right, Aaron Morgenstern. It's
1: the cider talking.
0: It's probably the Cider Talking. And uh, I, I have started reading this, and I'm really enjoying it. But we'll explain a little bit more about it. Um, she actually has an interview over on YouTube where uh, she talks about it a little bit. And, uh, you know, what I loved about that's from the Double Day Book Club, so you guys can check that out um but the thing i found most fascinating uh is that she this came out of NaNoWriMo, and i was actually kind of bummed that we didn't read this in november actually though that would have been a what laser month so yeah yeah but it would have just been i i didn't really realize it because i picked the book so late i was like oh that would have been a great idea but think about it think as though she had written it in november now it's december and she's got a whole book ready <laughs> right,
1: to go. You read it in november she's no. right yeah yeah, makes more sense actually. Uh, well, one, the other thing she says in that interview is that she didn't even have the character Celia in the book after when she first finished writing it. Hmm. Uh, she calls it like an exploration of the idea that she took a long time to to mold it. Uh, she wrote The Night Circus for NaNoWriMo November two thousand five. It wasn't published f- first until twenty eleven. But without, I don't want to put any spoilers in there, but just. Once you're done with the book, think back and think, wow, can I imagine like, this story without Celia? in it?
0: What would that book even be about? Right. You know, like it's it's almost like a totally, unless she's just writing the history of the circus and not delving into the characters. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. In. I mean, I mean, it's, hard,
1: it's hard. We don't want to get spoilery about it. I know. Uh, but that's something to keep in mind. We'll talk about it again when we do uh, further check-ins.
0: All right, should I? I'll, I'll read the description. Um, the night circus arrives without warning. No announcements precede it. It is simply there, when yesterday it was not. Within the black and white striped canvas tents is an utterly unique experience full of breathtaking amazements. It is called Le Cirque des Rêves. I hope I'm saying that right.
1: Le Cirque des <laughs> Rives.
0: Cirque des Rives. It's closer.
1: It's, it's still not probably right. But, yeah.
0: I'm bad at saying things in French and it's only open at night. But behind the scenes a fierce competition is underway. A duel between two young magicians. Yeah, you're listening to the audiobook so you get to cheat.
1: Yeah, Reveurs Le Cirque de that's how
0: they. That's how they're How are they saying it?
1: Reveurs. I'm a revuer.
0: Those are the people who are into the night circus.
1: They're the ones that wear the red.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it won the annual Locus Award for Best First Novel. Uh, The UK publisher for The Night Circus has contracted Fail Better Games to create an interactive browser-based puzzle game to accompany the book. And here's the one to remember, folks, rejected by 30 literary agents before she finally found one who would pick it up and then got a publishing deal out of it.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's amazing.
1: Also, Aaron Morgenstern, also a painter. Uh, And you can kind of feel that. That's another thing to think about while you read this. Uh, is the the way she describes imagery and art, particularly? I didn't know that before I started reading it, and now that I know that, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. She's even done uh, the Phantom Wise Tarot deck, the art for it. So yeah, wow. and, and tarot decks uh, play a part in this story as well. But I guess I guess they were implying in the in the interview that she had a tarot reading once that told her she had to pick between her painting and her writing, and she chose her writing.
0: It's kind of sad. I feel bad that she had to pick, but I guess they're both very time-consuming pursuits.
1: Well, I'm certainly glad that she wrote this. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, this, uh, This, I think, I'm not done yet, but I think people... Most people, I I don't know. Every time I think that, then there's somebody's like, "This book is trash." I don't like anything about yeah, it. Yeah, I've been That'd I've be been fun. kind of
0: staying out of the discussions because I'm I'm scared about spoilers. Um, mm-hmm. but I did actually receive a very nice note from Scott. Um, I didn't ask his permission to read the note, so I I won't. Um, but he said, you know, it was essentially thank you for picking this. That so he really enjoyed it, and that made me feel really good. Like I love it when people pick up a book and it affects them in some way, and it makes them feel something. Hopefully that is a pleasurable something.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I can see where this might not be a book for everyone because it's definitely a, not a straightforward tale. And maybe if you're not in the mood for the twists and turns and the mysterious aspects and you're like, just tell me the story, then I guess I guess you might not like it. But I can't imagine. It's just so fun
0: to yeah, and it's be a really, part of. It's very beautifully written, um, which you know, of course is... You would hope that of almost any book, but it, it feels it feels like a piece of art. And I, I'm so able to envision everything she's describing within the circus as it's happening and the characters and the feeling of it. Um, it's so descriptive and, and so deep. I find
1: that, I, really that I, I enjoy reading it more at night.
0: Oh, interesting
1: like i want to do i want to put on the audiobook at night when it's dark because that just feels right it goes with the with the mood
0: i have a hard time doing that cuz i always I know, fall asleep but this sleep. morning i woke up very early and i couldn't get back to sleep and so i read for about an hour uh just in the early morning hours and and that was nice, nice reading out of the way um but yeah hopefully you guys are enjoying it as much as we are so far
1: Programming note, uh, we will do uh, a check-in on the book, maybe not a wrap-up because it's so early, uh, but we'll definitely do a spoilery discussion of the book next week, like a week early. We're usually every other week, but because of the holidays, uh, we're going to get in our last December episode next week. Um, I don't know if I'll have the January book pick set up by then, but I'm going to do a poll this time around for the next laser pick. And I'll uh, I'll get that out there and, and just keep an eye on the Goodreads and you'll you'll see it.
0: Will that be at the same time as our typical recordings, Tom? Uh, Yeah. Okay, because I didn't put it in my calendar yet. Oh, is
1: that what you were doing? I was like, what are you doing over there? So that's uh,
0: why I'm doing that.
1: Oh, yeah, I didn't put it in my calendar either. I so I'm put glad it we on... decided
0: that on the air.
1: <laughs> well, no, we did. We decided it over email and I changed it in the doc but we—I never change it on my on either of our calendars.
0: It's in there now. It's fine. Okay, good. We, we got—we totally got this, guys. Don't worry. We got this. There will be an episode next week.
1: Yeah, but no episode on the twenty-third, uh, exactly. and then we'll be back in January after that. So one more episode this year.
0: All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, tack on to the end of the show, Tom Merritt?
1: Um. Yeah. I uh, just want to let people know, uh, again, that you can support the show in lots of ways. Uh, one is by buying the books through our links at swordandlaser.com calendar. And, of course, if you get some value out of the show and you feel like you can afford to give a lot of value back, our show is entirely funded otherwise by you uh, supporting us on Patreon. So go check out Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com swordandlaser.
0: Thank you so much, guys. And if you want to get in touch directly with us, our email address is feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And if you want to call and leave us a voicemail, the phone number is 415 sword 6 See you next time. Bye. Bye.
1: This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit com. Audio programs so good, it's
0: like you're there. I'm going to keep us live for a minute because we have some questions to answer from the Q&A. All right. bonus! And I thought that would be fun as long as I yeah, remember yeah. to edit the ending off at the end. Um, let's see, Louis says... Um, what if Tom and Veronica narrate the audiobook for the next book of the Old Man's War series? Eh? Eh? Who else would enjoy that? I would enjoy that.
1: I would enjoy that.
0: Um, I, would enjoy
1: that. I don't know. <laughs> the question is, <laughs> would anyone else enjoy
0: that? <laughs> That's an important question that John Scalzi needs to ask himself. And then uh, we have another uh, comment from Louis who says, I am more excited about a possible Robert Zemeckis-directed Ready Player One.
1: Ah... Robert okay. Zemeckis would be an interesting choice.
0: Uh, Tomahome says, I guess social science fiction, which probably more women write, isn't considered hard sci-fi as much as the physics-based sci-fi. Not sure what that's in reference to.
1: Wait, that highlight be. that one or is it gone now?
0: It's gone now. It happened too fast. It was just
1: I too didn't fast. quite follow.
0: <laughs> that's okay. And well, and, James- and
1: somebody, somebody in the thread pointed out that a lot of times people say it's hard sci-fi because it's math and physics, but they ignore that it isn't accurate on biology or, you know, hundreds of other sciences. It's right. only math and physics that count. And I think that that is a mistake people make sometimes.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, and then uh, James says, what do you think about Goodreads combining supernatural fantasy and standard fantasy? I think that they should probably be separate categories.
1: That's a really interesting question because... I don't think that they are naturally separate categories, but with the you know, incredible blooming of supernatural fantasy, it feels like it overwhelms the rest of fantasy, and so people who are looking for sword and sorcery sometimes have a hard time finding it.
0: I agree. There's a lot of like... options out there. They're almost too big, and they're separate categories at this point.
1: But will it always be that way? I don't know. Because I could see it being like, well, let's separate off supernatural fantasy, and then like five years from now, that shell, those shelves are empty, and you're like, oh, okay, I guess we need to fold it back in. But uh, yeah, you can do that. You can change things.
0: And then uh, Jules uh, says, "Are you guys doing anything special for episode 200?" Well, we better figure that out very quickly.
1: Yes, we are going to do something very special. I'm going to drink cask strength ten year old Laphroaig. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't know. We have to we have to figure that out because it'll be
1: that'll be the first episode of January.
0: That is crazy. It's going to be the first episode of the new year, mm-hmm. and that's actually going to be maybe problematic because I'm going to be at CES. So we have to figure out the scheduling for that well, as well. Are you though? I am going to be at um, CES.
1: No, but I mean, does it overlap? Because it, <laughs> it would be... I know. I know yeah, sorry, it sounded like I was doubting you. Are I meant, you? Are they i they really does, hiring
0: you. <laughs>
1: the actual... Does the episode overlap? Is it January 6th? Does that see it? Yes, see it that's
0: yes. what it says, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we'll figure that out. Maybe we'll All do right. it on the 5th or something instead. Yeah,
1: yeah, we could do it earlier or later. I'm not going to CES. I'm no fool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting paid to go, so I'm going, because I'm no that's fool. That's a good reason. That's a very good reason. And if someone offers me money, I'm going to take that money. Uh, Steven I says, take- I love Bendy Bus Cabbage Patch. What? Steven loves Bendy Bus Cabbage Patch.
1: All right. What does that mean?
0: Bender. B- Bender. Bender. Bender Snatch Cootie Boots.
1: <laughs> oh. Right. <laughs>
0: I, I, I can't remember his name. So I called him Bendy Pants Cougar Steers.
1: When did you do that? Because
0: I couldn't remember his name. When? Just now!
1: Oh, just now you did. You couldn't remember his name at all? Yes. Wow. How many of those ciders did you have before the just show?
0: Just the one. Just the wow. one. Wow. Those it's are good big, ciders. It's a big bottle. It's like the size of my head.
1: Hey, remember, folks, uh, <laughs> that is called... Red Branch hard apple and honey cider. <laughs> They're like the best advertisement they've ever had.
0: Bendy Snatch. All right, anyway. Um okay. Any more questions? Let's see. No more questions, really. Okay, that's good. All right, guys. Thank you for watching. And uh we will see you next week.
1: <laughs> Bienvenue. Bye.